You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Welcome to Thank You for Your Servers, a show which looks at the tech news of today, but from a libertarian perspective. Now here are your hosts, Thaddeus and Gary. Thank you for logging on to, or into, Thank You for Your Servers. I'm Thaddeus Preston, aka Nickway on Twitter, and joining me as always is Gary. How we doing, brother? I'm doing great. I just bought an electric bike, so I have joined the ranks of e-nerds. Ooh, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I am so sorry. All right. <laughs> now I won't give you crap about that. But hey, this is our weekly, semi-weekly rant about the tech topics of the day from a Liberty perspective. This and other podcasts are brought to you by the Make Liberty Great Again network of podcasts. So let's get into it, ladies and gentlemen. First story I want to get into, and this is more because I really went down this rabbit hole this weekend, as I always do when I'm searching the Twitters and the YouTubes, fake beef. So, uh, yeah, I'll bury the lead a bit by saying Memphis Meats, a developer of technologies to manufacture meat, seafood, and poultry from animal cells, raised $161 million in financing from investors, including... SoftBank Group, that could be a blessing or a curse because SoftBank is the notorious group of investors that is invested that invested in WeWork, and we discussed that many many episodes back. And um, yeah, man, they um, this Memphis Meats is one of many companies that are in the game. Some of you may be familiar with Beyond Meat if you've had like the Beyond Burger from Carl's Jr. or Hardee's, if you're on the other side of the continent. Impossible Foods with the Impossible Whopper, which I've had a couple times, but when someone told me that it was pretty soyed up, I said, no, I like my testicles. And Just Foods, (laughs) Memphis Meats, Blue Nalu, Mosa Meats, and Meatable. I find this very, very fascinating. So for those of you who don't know, these are lab-grown meat products. So uh, they're usually called either lab-grown meats or clean meats or cultured meats. And um, they basically take cells from the affected animal. In the case of, I think, Just Foods, they did it with chicken. They then put that cell into a solution, put that, you know, and then kind of prompt the cells to start replicating. Uh, that I think that's entered in something called a bioreactor. They use a bovine uh, serum to as fuel for the cells, and they basically grow this uh, this this tissue. Um, they then mm-hmm. form it into uh, nuggets, as as they did in the one example, and they breaded them, deep fried them, and fed them to reporters. And apparently, then maybe the consistency being slightly off uh, more of a consistency of a mcdonald's chicken nugget tasted like chicken um so there's many guys there's many people in this game man it's it's and it's amazing mm. it's 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 kind of cool like i was um you know you're you're getting a lot of people throwing a lot of money into this and because you know there's justifiable reasons for it there's the climate change reason eh 
There's the sustainability reasoning, um, because as the population grows and that population continues to desire and crave meat-based products, um, we're going to need to be able to, you know, raise more cows and chickens and, you know, farm more fish and shrimp. And this would probably be something that could maybe feed the world for the next 10 billion people that were expected to kind of have over the next you know you know yeah. you know century and you know i mean we were discussing this in the pre-show but it, it may sound you know science fiction or more like star trek but i mean at the, some point in the future maybe probably not in our lifetimes but soon the human race will spread its wings to the other parts of the solar system and i don't really see cows grazing on the moon so I don't see it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> We're gonna have to grow them. We're right? gonna have to grow something in these petri dishes or in these bioreactors. Um, you know, there's. I mean, I think the technology is super cool. I I I hope it uh, becomes a thing. Um, but yeah, man, there's there's people in the game, and I just went down this rabbit hole of really studying it. Um, this one company by the name of Blue Nalu partners with a Nutri or Nutrico um, for uh, advanced cell-based uh, fish feed. So they're getting into that for uh, aquaculture. Um, they ultimately mm. want to make cell-based fish products. And I don't know, man. I'm I, I'm I'm intrigued. I know Just Foods was in or was it memphis meats let me double check here they were trying to grow in this in this bovine serum like wagyu and kobe beef um in these bioreactors um so i mean what do you think do you you think that i mean uh (laughs) given free reign do you think that we would see exotic or uh uh I guess what would they be like? Not fashion, but um, but boutique uh, tailored boutique made meat pr- boutique meat bespoke products or, meat or products craft, craft meat. Yes, products, you know dinosaur meat. Yes, or mammoth Dude, meat or something. That's like the that. liberty angle, baby. If you let this into the market, man, we don't know what we'll get. I mean, for good or bad, but. To me, would I like some, you know, Velociraptor meat? Maybe. Might taste like gator. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there was a there was a restaurant that was serving lion meat down here in Newport Beach at one point, and I was tempted to go and see what is that about. Dude, you, know? you so do it right. It, I mean, it's it, not you know, I'm not. We're not telling our audience to go out and do the bat soup and bread, you know, spread coronavirus. But, I mean, no, but no, could, no. I mean, these possibilities, as frightening as they may sound to us old-timers, that could be cool. That could be really cool. Craft, craft, yeah. cell-cultured meat products. Um, Open it up, man. Let us, let us make it. Dude, that would be so <laughs> cool. I, I, yeah, I, I, and tr- and I, I think... I I don't know who this year. I thought just uh, was supposed to try to bring their their lab grown chicken nuggets to market. And Just Inc. Um, you know is is the maker of plant based mayonnaise and vegan eggs. 
Um, I've had these, full disclosure, I've had the vegan eggs. They weren't, they weren't awful. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, they're trying to push hard to bring these nuggets to market. Um, probably at restaurants. But yeah, man, I'd be, I'd be down with some mammoth meat, right? You know, you know, Hell you know, yeah. one million years, you know, in the making, you know, that'd be super <laughs> sweet. But yeah, I, I just thought that'd be interesting. We have some links in the show notes and um, I, yeah, man, yeah, great angle there, Gary, because that is true, right? <laughs> <laughs> These bespoke well, meat Well, that's products, where I go. Right? I mean, they, you know, you let the market and you let people be people and you let the demand speak for itself and or, you know, is this going to open up? Maybe it's not for humans. Maybe it's for dog food. Right. Like, like food yeah, like uh, the, like this blue uh, uh, Nalu company is is partnering with these guys making this 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 lab grown sh- fish feed. Right. And so, uh-huh. yeah, I, I would think so. Um, yeah. Even if it's if it's for not for human consumption, which, again, me being a very future Heuristic thinker, right? Someone who likes the future, believes in the future despite the present. We're going to need to eat this stuff, right? Um, it ain't going to be, and trust me, it ain't going to be plant-based. I can tell you right now, plant-based ain't going to feed the world. Um, and no. ne- you know, and truth be told, neither is this. It's kind of I'm that kind of I'm that kind of environmentalist where it's like all hands on deck, right? Do it all um, because we need it yeah. because we're growing world who in in as the years go on will be on other worlds and will need a means of sustenance and um yeah awesome stuff well that'll that'll test the renewability of it that's for sure i mean because once you're out there you 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 can't go to walmart and yeah pick up a you know a cup of noodles (laughs) yeah no we're and we're nowhere near our replicators star trek style so yeah No, no no All right, well, well, I think we've beaten that one to death, but yeah, that's really yeah, exciting stuff, people, for the next 10 years, you know. All right, so item number two. So we got to get to this elephant in the room as we're recording. Uh, headline, the time for autonomous vehicles is now, damn it. Um, that's a bold yeah, statement. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, in, in, okay, in lieu of the fact that uh, on the heels of basically the tragic death of Kobe Brian, NBA legend, who will inevitably go to the Hall of Fame. He was an all-star. Oh, they've already they've already Yeah, that's that. a done deal. He was well, he was probably gonna go on the first ballot anyway. I don't that's not a it's not a not actually a shock, right? I mean it's it's almost obvious. I mean the guy was an all-star yeah. for eighteen of his eighteen of the twenty years he was in the league, he was an all-star for eighteen of them. He won gold medals. He just recently won an Oscar. And actually, from you know all outward appearances, he seemed to be particularly after his 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 controversy early in his career. He's actually a pretty good father to four beautiful girls, and so the tragedy in this is he was basically taking his old his oldest daughter to a basketball game with some of her teammates and other parents. Uh, there were nine total on the helicopter, and um, they crashed. Um, you know, there's still a Investigation needs to happen. Um, uh, the NTSB, you know, as government agencies go, is pretty good at really kind of running this stuff to ground. 
But I, I just want to read like this excerpt from the story uh, from uh, the Wall Street Journal. And it's basically like, but with a deep marine layer and areas of dense fog in the region, federal weather forecasters had advised the aviation community of the need for instrument flight rules. Um, I guess, Gary, you're more familiar with it than, than most people because you live on the, the left coast there. But there, I've experienced it. In the mornings, going almost into like mid-afternoon, there's a marine layer that comes and just hugs the coast, the West Coast. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty. It's common. very common, yeah. even in the summer. It, it blew me away when I would, go, when I would, when I was in the Bay Area and I'd be in Livermore Valley and it's like 110 degrees. I'm like, I'm gonna go to like santa cruz and then like literally once i get to the santa cruz mountains on the other side of santa cruz mountains it was like it was like it was fall you're completely you're socked, socked in, in. you don't you, you can barely see anything and it, it, it's it's nuts if you have never experienced the west mm-hmm. coast you, you you gotta go there um it's different you know it's amazing to me I, you know not to get too far off topic but it's amazing to me i live about three miles away from the beach and we have a saying here, you know who the tourists are because they're the ones who don't have sweaters. With them. <laughs> and, you know, there's this kind of there's this kind of perception that, oh, sunny Southern California. Well, it ain't like that. And, you know, when it gets socked in, it can get to the point you can't see across the street. Yeah. And this will happen in an instant, you know. Yeah. And so basically to continue my excerpt here and that typical visual flight rules probably won't or wouldn't apply. Air traffic controllers in Burbank told the aircraft, and this is the helicopter uh, in question, to maintain special visual flight rules at or below 2,500 feet, according to the recordings of the tower communications. It is too early to, for a definitive answer on what happened while they were in the air. And the National Transportation uh, Transportation Safety Board, NTSB, is investigating the incident. But safety experts said the crash highlights two of the biggest causes of copter accidents, low-altitude operation and pilot disorientation about nearby structures or terrain and low visibility. End quote. So, I am not saying... I'll go out on a limb and say, I am not saying that autonomous vehicles or the technology that drives them would have prevented this tragedy. In light of what Gary told me in the pre-show, it might have been something a lot far worse. It might have been something. Yeah, one of the things that uh, was mentioned in the NTSB briefing, I believe it was earlier today, was what they know is that the helicopter was descending at a rate of over 2000 feet per minute um, immediately prior to the crash, which tells me, yeah, this is more than pilot disorientation or something. It tells me probably something happened uh, mechanically or they ran out of fuel. I don't know, but I'm not going to sit here and guess at it, but I think there were some other factors, but it doesn't, that doesn't negate the fact that we need more technology to kind of, I mean, we have the technology available to us and it's already been determined that the, the helicopter in question did not have 
uh, anti, um, was it the terrain technology that mo- that all the airliners have, right. you know, warning about close to the terrain or whatever. And truth be told, like helicopters traditionally don't have those, right? I mean, these types, or is it something that the that that they didn't uh, opted to have? My my. My understanding is, is that most of them do not. But again, I, I'm not an okay. expert on this. All I know is what was said in the news conferences today. And they were very careful to say that even if it had that technology, that does not mean it would have prevented the crash. Right. But that said, mm-hmm. uh, if we assume something bigger happened, they, they lo- completely lost power, the the motor the the jet engines stopped producing power because of compressor stall whatever if we assume none of that happened i think this technology being in place could have at least um it, it could have at least alerted the pilot it could have at least right even if you give it um, even if you deploy the pilot assist that basically driver assist has basically taken over for most automobiles. Um, it's, it's, it's not a, it's a hard problem because helicopters are traditionally very difficult to you know navigate, but with the advances in AI and machine learning and the fact that we're getting better and better all the time uh, with this, what is called basically a multimodal sensing, right? So using more than just, it's more than just using LIDAR. It's using LIDAR with visuals, with GPS, with, you know, other types of technologies and melding these senses to build a 3D, you know, view of your surroundings and the world. Not to mention the fact that flight plans can be automated. Um, Ground stations are all over the place that could be equipped today to, you know, help navigate, uh, you know, Basically, what helicopters will, are and will eventually become urban taxis, air taxis. Um, yeah, there's. I, I have no doubt that um, AI and machine learning would have played a big role in at least alerting the pilot, right? Um, well, it would – and at the very, very least – the recording of that data would have given a lot more clarity into the investigation and maybe speed up the the process some um, you know post mortem yeah. i yeah not, yeah not to sound yeah I, not I to sound morbid, morbid about, about it, it yeah but, you're right but yeah that, that but it would that 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 is you know an efficiency that i think we need to to find yeah. You know, the safety side, again, like we talked about in the pre-show, you know, the, the world's dirty. It's full of humans. Humans suck. And we always mess things up. And we're always going to mess things up. So I don't care how far technology comes. We're not going to sterilize this world to the point where there aren't any crashes and there aren't any deaths. They're going to happen. And I think it's foolish to go down the path, you know, and you know, when we talk about the Liberty angle to go down the path of trying to sterilize everything to 100% safety guaranteed, no one's going to die. Absolutely foolish to go down that path. Yeah. There's always a knee jerk reaction. Never achieve it. There's always a knee jerk reaction for just more regulation from who, from whom, 
who makes it? Who is on this board of experts that is going to sit back and right. determine what AI or what machine learning algorithms and yada, yada, yada are, are legal? Um, look, I'm not saying, you know, I'm in the control systems game. And I'm not saying that, like, you know, you can program for all cases. But even in this case, if there was catastrophic failure, just like when we get the autopilots failing on the Teslas, as cold as this is going to sound, it's data. It's data that you can feed back into the, yep. you know, deep, uh, the deep neural network or the convolutional neural network or basically the machine model, the machine learning model in general. Yeah. That will then now understand that this is now a circumstance for which I need to learn something and or spend more time in simulation uh, to figure out a plausible means of we've getting been this, doing, get around know, this situation. We've been doing we've been doing it forever. You know, in uh, the eighties we had a crash, um, it was uh, Air Mexico over Norwalk, California, that collided with a small Cessna airplane, basically tore off the uh, rudder of the, uh, I think it was, a, was it a 707, 720, I can't remember. But anyway, this thing came crashing down and um, blew up a whole neighborhood in Norwalk, California. And the data that we collected from that resulted in policy changes, in process changes that ultimately made the sky safer. So yeah, we're going to see accidents and we always will, but you're right. If we can collect that data and process, and of course we've got the processing power that's, you know, millions of times greater than what it was back in the seventies and eighties. We should take advantage of that and we should implement this stuff if only to collect that data and process it to make things safer in the future. Absolutely. I mean, from that, I know when I lived in Europe, like the big thing that shocked me more than anything and most air traffic controllers who are uh, stateside bound is the fact that they use extensively use GPS for air traffic control. Only in the last, I think, mm. decade of, in the United States have we started to do that. Because the more you can do yeah. that, the more now... Um, Autonomy, autonomy is a thing. Autonomy is actually a thing. It's been, I think, in airlines for 20 plus years, um, particularly once you get high enough altitude. And, it, and that's an easier problem to solve, right? Because you don't, you're not worrying about a whole lot of things flying into you. Helicopters are slightly different, right. but um, it doesn't matter. Um, the old adage is this. The AI does not have to be better than human it's a, it just has to be better than humans it doesn't have to be like us right it just has to be better than us and if we're at 80 percent right. the ai only has to be at 81 and it for me i, I exponentially saves it's an advantage lives. i think yeah. i I've, I've said this for the past you know a couple months and particularly in our previous episodes where we gave you know gave a synopsis of the last decade there are three things that i'm almost 100 percent certain would have saved our, uh, millions more lives in the last decade if they were truly embraced and implemented um cannabis autonomous vehicles of all types and vaping um and so it, it, you know those are just three random things right 
I mean, there are probably other things, right? I mean, microbiome, um, advances in nutritional sciences, um, you know, you know, better medicines, you know, yada, yada, yada. But like the autonomous vehicles alone will save millions of lives a year across the globe. And they don't, and it, and it don't, oh, yeah. and they don't have to be better than us. Uh, they don't have to be like us or comparable to what we do. They just have to be better. They than don't. What we do. They don't have to be. They don't have to be perfect. Yes, I think is where we're going with that. You know, you, you see these things all the time, and I, I laugh every time they come up in the news where you see someone. Oh, I took a picture of another guy sleeping behind the wheel of a Tesla. Okay, well, that Tesla didn't crash into something, did it? So if someone's going to be drowsy behind the wheel, I would rather them fall asleep behind the wheel of a Tesla that can stay in the lane and not crash into the car in front of it than to be behind the wheel of a 94 Toyota 4Runner and just plow through the traffic. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, and, and, and in light of that, right, I mean, I, the, why I started kind of thinking about that as this, this story was unfolding this weekend was... Like, I started looking around, like, well, IFR versus VFR, then this and that. And then I found that, like, oh, there's a company <laughs> out of California called Skyrise that actually had demonstrated, to a certain extent, um, like, an autonomous helicopter. So that kind of led me to believe, like, well, this, this technology is here, right? Um, yeah. Oh, it's been here. I mean, airliners have been able to to take off and land automatically for, I remember, gosh, it was uh, 20, 22 years ago, I think. A buddy of mine worked for American Airlines. God, no, maybe it was longer. Anyway, it was pre-9-11. He worked for American Airlines in uh, Santa Ana, John Wayne Airport, the same airport that Kobe Bryant and and crowd took off from on, uh, on this flight. Uh, and he took me down there and it, I was talking to a couple of mechanics and everything. And they said, Oh yeah, these things can fly themselves. The only reason they don't is because number one company policy and number two government regulation, there has to be a pilot to take it for the last, you know, three minutes of the flight or whatever yeah, it is. No, that's the same thing with vehicles, so, right? Like a modern day vehicle doesn't need the steering column. It can really drive by wire, but steering column is a right. gestures of the past. Um, I understand it from a mechanical standpoint, but is it necessary? And the truth be told in the future, I don't see why it would be. Like rear view mirrors, like first the first uh, versions of Teslas had no rear view mirrors. They just had like cameras. Um, yep. They had to install rear view mirrors. Why? Because you know, you know the Department of Transportation, vestigial yeah, government yeah, yeah. regulation. Yeah. Um, it, well, yeah. There's so many of these rules. I was reading like the shape of the car has to be rounded, so in case you hit a pedestrian, you know, you, they bounce off instead of break a leg because you hit them with a something sharp. You know, there's all kinds of these weird things. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, they have to, they have to comply with them. And, you know, it's funny, um, you know, every country has its own Correct. regulations. I, I can tell you this and, for a fact. When we, try to move a car from Europe to here. Um, it's, oh, it's, it's, it's sort of a nightmare. 
Right. And and you end up, of course, with weird features on your car. I bought my my wife a Mercedes C300 for Christmas last year. And um, it, it has these weird lighting features on it, you know. And basically what they are is it's got these fog lights that only turn on the left lights of the car, which is I've never heard of this before. And I, I asked the guy at the dealership, I'm like, what is this? I, I turn this thing on and only the left lights come on the right lights. And he goes, it's a European thing. Just don't use it. I'm like, okay, well, I don't understand it. But and they wonder why every year it becomes more and more. That's another thing that worries me more or well, just as much as people not embracing it, or at the very least there not being enough flexibility in our, government institutions to really allow this wide deployment is the fact that like every year they put new these safety regulations in that drive up the cost of a car uh, there's right. no reason why a car with decent ac non-automatic windows and some all these there's no reason a car should cost more than ten thousand dollars I mean, there really is no, it, yeah. it, 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 it blows the mind. It's no, like when I was buying my Volkswagen, it was just like, oh yeah, every one of these has like, you know, GPS and, you know, tracking and, and telemetry stuff in it and stuff like that. And that was mandated by the DOT. And it was just like, well, that drives up the cost of a vehicle. And, and trust me, the, right. what's going to drive up the cost of these autonomous vehicles in the future is the fact that like they're going to, I'm more in the camp of LiDAR plus visual cameras um elon musk is more of just cameras but um you, they're going to probably mandate all these uh multimodal uh, sensing technologies in these cars and and oh, yeah. you know and it, instead of just letting the consumer decide right it's like, eh, i'll prefer my car with cameras and lidar and radar right and i will spend a premium to do right. so or if you know my daughter who's young and, th and thinks she's invincible and decides to like, I just need a car that just has LiDAR, right? Or I just want a car that just has visual, you know, because it's cheaper and I'm young and I need a car. Then so be it, right? Um, let the market decide. Let the, let the safety records of the companies that deploy these vehicles right. do so. Um, well, there, you know, you, you mentioned drive-by-wire or steer-by-wire earlier. And uh, my coworker has a, uh, one of the first, and, and it is, it is steer-by-wire, to a point uh in that it's it's the uh infinity q what is it the um it's one of the infinity it, it, infinity has this active um steering thing where you put your steering in a mode basically your steering column is not connected to the steering rack in the front of the car oh, yeah, okay right, right right it is it is disconnected and then when you steer the electronics take over and steer the car however because of these regulations, it has to have a clutch on the column. So if anything fails in this system, this clutch will engage and you will have a, uh, a physical connection to right. the rack in the front of the car as mm -hmm. a backup. Now, you sit here and you go, okay, what is the chances of this happening? I mean, is it one in a million? One in, well, it happened to my coworker the other day. There was some weird error that happened in the computer network that 
caused the system to shut down the clutch engage and basically he had no power steering. It was just a manual steering car at that point, but he had control. So, you know, I, I kind of go back and forth on some of these I would per- I, I don't, I, I would prefer to have a steering column, but I don't necessarily think it should be mandated, but then maybe, you know, if that makes people feel better and, that's fine. Me, I'm, uh, yeah, if I were to buy one, I would be like, nah, that, that feature actually sounds like something like, eh, well, I should probably fry up for that. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but what what happens when, you know, he's driving down the freeway at 70 miles an hour and all of a sudden his system goes out and now he has no control and veers across and kills a family of four? I get that I get that argument. argument. Uh, I, yeah, I, yes, yes. And this is... You know, this so is why it's, this is why it's insidious, I, I, Gary. This is why it's insidious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, this is, y- know. you know, that's even for autonomous vehicles, right? Like, I mean, what if the computer crashes, right? I would imagine, as a controls person, you're if there's anything catastrophic, you you basically run a routine to sh- to safe the system. And that is right. that is literally what has to happen. But here's the deal: how often is that going to happen? How many hundreds of, how many tens of thousands of miles did your friend drive before that happened? Yeah, that's true. And it, you know, it's a valid question. But you know, it happened to him. I have a 2009 expedition. I was driving down from my brother's house up at the lake, and uh, before, right before I hit the canyon, everything started going haywire. The thing was misfiring. It wasn't running right. I was losing power. My steering was doing all kinds of weird things. Pull it off to the side of the road, basically shut it down, start it back up after a couple minutes and everything ran fine. Went back to his house, checked the codes on the OBD2. Turns out the network, the computer network was overloaded, was the error that it gave. So basically there was so much input from the braking system, the computer controls for the engine, whatever. It just overloaded the network and it didn't know what to do. Everything just went, screw it. We're not going anymore, right? Valid so concern. It, it, you know, as we get more complicated, the, the safeguards have to become more mature as well. And the problem with it, you know, working in technology I'm sure you can attest as well as I can. You will never be able to prepare for every single uncertainty that There's, will happen. Yeah, there are only so many unit tests that one can write. You can Correct. only write a unit test for the things that you know can go wrong and that you've seen go wrong. Yep. Does it, right. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's either here nor there. I mean, either way, this is coming, whether we like it or not. I think we both agree we like it. It should. Um, I, I, you like know, it. I know G- GM, like this earlier this week, you know, is, is thinking about, you know, it, it says it will invest $2.2 billion in a new plant in Detroit that builds either all electric trucks and SUVs and or self-driving vehicles. Like the, like a, uh, by its subsidiary, Cruise. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Cruise. It's, it's a startup that they bought a couple of years ago. They're driving around San Francisco and stuff like that. They actually unveiled a new a car at CES, um, or a, basically an autonomous car that was basically just, you just get in it and it takes you places. Um, it's very spacious and stuff like that. Um, the uh, I think it's mm. called the or- Origin. 
And um, is that that one that looks kind of like a yeah, minivan? It's just basically yeah, got four seats in it facing each other. Yeah, it's a self-driving other. shuttle, right? And yeah, made for made for kind of yeah, ride like sharing a, and stuff like that. Um, right. And so, like, right. so the, the so the money's going there, right? I mean, we're even getting like you know a bubble developing in all the technologies that input to it, right? Like, I was reading a Wired article a couple of weeks ago about like. There are too many LiDAR companies, <clears throat> and that's that's the chief technology that's going to go in these vehicles. Um, and it will probably at some point be government mandated. Um, and then I've studied many, many machine learning, you know, machine learning and AI papers that are really thinking that, hey, this is the year where we really need to hone down these multimodal, interf- these multimodal interfaces for machine learning algorithms um, and agents. And that's basically like they need to be able to see, they need to be able to hear, they need to be able to sense, and that data needs to be, you know, uh, con- you know, combined into into a basically an onboard supercomputer so that they can make the sub millisecond, right. uh, you know, or at least sub millisecond decisions um, that need to happen. Yeah. Um, and so, like that money, the money's coming there. Tesla's ahead, but. You know, GM's right behind them. While Waymo, which is you know Google's thing, is driving all around Arizona. Um, there's a lot of companies doing autonomous for autonomous vehicle driving for uh, trucks, particularly big rig trucks. Um, that's 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 the future long haul. I don't know. I don't care what anyone says. Um, when it maybe when you get into the cities, you're, you still may need the human touch, but the future long haul trucking is autonomous vehicles. Um, the future of these taxis that Uber and Hyundai want to deploy all over the world is autonomous. Um, you know, uh, you know, as these air taxis that are autonomous drones already have built in autonomous features when it comes to, you know, you give them a flight path and they can react on that given flight path. AI is coming. It will, it's kind of like the Mark Andreessen quote where she, he said, you know, 20 years ago that software will eat the world. AI and machine learning and even to a lesser extent, you know, robotic process automation will eat the world. It will eat a lot of these things in the world of atoms. And, it, and we, we, better, we better start embracing them, right? Because I don't know. I won't, I won't be bold and say, like, we still have Kobe, his daughter, and the seven other people who died on board. But I can't, you can't say that it wouldn't, Right. Well, I think there are a lot of open questions. Uh, the bottom line, I think really, and you said it the best, it's data. We would have yeah. data. Yeah. And would that help us, you know, help prevent an accident in the future? I, I don't know, but at least we would have yeah. the data and we would have clarity. Yeah. You know, at the, at the very least, we'd have some, we'd have more use cases too. Uh, yep. Well, with that, you know, with that sad news behind us and stuff like that, like I said, L.A.'s morning. Apparently, he was quite the venture capitalist, man. I think he he put in money to like LegalZoom. He's like a late stage investor in LegalZoom. Um, he was a late stage investor in like the Honest oh, wow. Company. That's the Jessica Alba thing, company, I guess. Um, so, I mean, he was not only killing it on the court and then post, you know, post basketball. I mean, you know, doing artistic endeavors with his oscar winning you know short story but i mean apparently the guy was balling invest he was a baller ass investor so um 
Well, he took a he took a page out of Magic Johnson's book. For and, sure. and that's funny, man. Not to get off on a tangent here, but I think yeah, a lot of these NBA players are. I'm pretty good. A lot of these athletes are becoming a lot smarter about. Oh, they are about what they really need to do with their money. They are, are and, I, and I'm. Oh, George George Foreman. You look at, I mean, any of the ones, George George Foreman, Magic Johnson, Kobe Bryant, um, LeBron James. I mean. Yeah, they're they're smart, smart yeah. businessmen. And, yeah, and, yeah, and and I, I think that's, yeah, that's it's going to be it's going to be hard, man. But uh, yeah, he will be missed. Uh, definitely ate me up when I found out that his oldest daughter was on board with him, and, I, and then and then yeah, her teammates that, well, that too. Well, just hit you in and, the and gut. Like, oh man, they're just they're thirteen, they're twelve, thirteen year old girls, and <sighs> yeah, yeah, it just makes you want to go just hug your kids and be like. You drive me insane, but you know, I love you. <laughs> Boo hoo. Yeah. All right. Moving on here. SpaceX is on its relentless endeavor to launch more satellites. Uh, as of this recording, they've launched sixty more. I don't know what their total is right now. I think they're, I think they're sitting at about. Yeah, uh, someone said I think maybe a hundred eighty, two hundred. Did they launch yeah. again earlier this yeah, week? They, they were they were gonna launch on yeah, Sunday. Yeah, no, they, they ended up launching. Um, let me let me look it up. I thought they had deployed them in orbit today. Um, let me see here. Starlink, right? Yeah. Yep. They put up uh, just today. Sixty more. Oh, today. It was today. Yeah. Uh, okay, so they they postponed it. Yeah, yeah. Days. I guess I, I was supposed to go off this weekend. You said. It was supposed no, to be okay. Sunday. Yeah, no, well, they're just Sunday morning. You, they're most, they're pushing them up there, and their objective is to get anywhere between uh, thirty thousand <laughs> in orbit. God, so <laughs> oh, many. Oh my satellites. goodness! So the, uh, we've 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 told this story before, and we've actually looked in, and we've, we've talked about this before. So a lot of astronomers, um, particularly, um, you know. Amateur and professional astronomers are, are are becoming very concerned that there's this space race going on, and people are launching a lot of stuff into orbit. Um, microsats, um, yeah, because these are I think these are based on the CubeSat technology stuff. Stuff that I saw when, at my uh, time as <clears throat> at Lockheed Martin, um, and the DoD was looking and throwing up these these CubeSats that were like no bigger than like a three by three. You could slap them on a payload get him in orbit immediately and put him over uh, an aor an area of operation um and yeah, yeah I, I i the technology is greatly matured everybody wants to throw these little microsats up because there's so much information that can be gained by peering down from these satellites um so people are complaining about this obviously because it's going to it's going to cloud up the night sky um you know because amazon's going to get in this game pretty soon um you know Bigger players are going to get into this game here pretty soon. Um, they're really concerned about the fact that, like, it will make it very, very difficult to see an unobstructed night sky. Um, I think someone had posted a video of a, a Train 80 satellite just kind of streaking across the night sky, across a, right near a, an observatory. Yeah, it was a, like a, a long exposure. Yeah, it was a long exposure, right? Photograph. And it's funny, right? It's – if I live out here um, – over the last five years, 
Obviously, we have a lot of light, more light pollution than we used to. But I used to, you used to, I used to go out on the balcony with my daughters on a typically in the winter, lay down, look up, and you would see, you see satellites streaming by all the time. Oh yeah, oh, um, yeah. yeah. And so yeah, I, I I understand their concerns. So Elon Musk, I guess, in all his wisdom, is deciding he, he's going to like make them darker. So he so uh, going forward, he's yeah. going to attempt to make them darker and stuff. But like, I mean, while it won't create more light pollution, it will still block out things. Because, yeah, right? it, you can't. Yeah, it's going to get. In it's going to. Long story short, guys, and all you amateur astronomers out there, the, the night sky is going to get pretty crowded here in the next five years, um, because it ain't just. Starlink that's launching satellites. Uh, Kepler, which is, is that Amazon's or is that a company? I, I, I wonder, I want to say that it's Amazon's, but Amazon's going to start launching them. Um, there are other small startups. I think, uh, oh God, there's one called One Link or One. You know, I, don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm terrible at this. I should have done more research. But there's like another startup that's going to launch like, you know, a couple thousand of these things in and of itself. Um, the space race is on, right? Um, and I, for one, yeah. will enjoy my my uh, ubiquitous internet when I go to the jungles of the Niger Delta in Nigeria. Um, now, I understand. Now, there's also some other concerns too, right? So, if, there, if there's any radio astronomy going on, well, obviously you have a lot of these, you know, radiating elements floating around space. And so it's going to make it very, very um, electromagnetically noisy if you are, you know, doing radio astronomy, um, because you're looking for really, really, really faint signals um, coming from the right. darkest corners of the galaxy. And um, yeah, I, I, it's going to raise that noise floor. It will not be quiet enough. And so, th- I think there are ways around this. I think. Um, there's technology in radar called blanking. And basically what it is, is um, when I used to work at a uh, air control squadron that had this technology. And so basically you would just, as the, the antenna rotates, it would, at a certain angle, you would cut off the, cut off the uh, radiating elements as it, let's say, for instance, sweeps over a parking lot because, you know, we had a parking lot on, uh, at our facility. So that way, like, the radiating energy doesn't, like, fry electronics in cars. I think yeah. if there were G, if this could be geofenced, so to speak, I think you could have these satellites blank, blank out over regions. You know, not huge regions, we but certain regions. The- so that way it wouldn't be as bad. But it, that takes care of the radio astronomy portion of it. But it wouldn't necessarily take care of the visibility, right? These things are just... Even if they're dark, yeah, right? They're streaming they, past and they're obstructing views. Yeah, that, I don't know that you can really make them that dark. That yeah, no, you're not going to, you're going to make them dark enough. But I mean, there's also like, there's, you know, there's, um, uh, there's orbital mechanics stuff you have to deal with, um, orbital physics and orbital thermodynamics you have to deal with when you, paint things black or make them darker yeah <laughs> right? for sure um 
Not to mention, yeah. you know, these things, for those of you who don't know, like, there's no no air or oxygen in space. There's no way of cooling reliably electronics. Well, when you're dealing with, you're dealing with these extremes, the, the slightest parameter change will cause yes. havoc. You know, the... I, we we were talking about it in the pre-show back in the I believe it was in the eighties. The they painted one of the Concorde airplanes with a Pepsi logo. They painted it blue, <laughs> and they put this big old Pepsi logo on it. And it, they they ended up not being able to fly it at optimum speeds because it would just get too hot. Yeah. They it couldn't it couldn't radiate the heat off fast enough to uh to let it fly at whatever it was Mach 2.2 I don't know but they had to slow it down and it was an extreme um cost hit because they painted this thing and then they're like oh well holy crap realized it afterwards that it was going to have this impact on it so yeah and I can only imagine that getting it up into an orbital type environment where it can't vent or exponentially cool, right? more, right? Who knows? I mean, he's so. he's trying. Elon Musk is trying. Starlink is trying, and it doesn't matter. Even if they found the optimum engineering solution, I don't want to call them luddites or nerdwells. There's still going to be people who complain. Um, well, you know what? It's gonna it's gonna basically come down to a massive cost benefit analysis, right? So, you know, are we, what is the benefit of this? Obviously, we're giving ubiquitous internet access over the entire world, especially to places that just will never have wired internet, mm -hmm. right? Or, or uh, uh, fiber internet. So there's your benefit. And your cost is whatever the impact ends up being to ground-based mm -hmm. astronomy yeah and somebody's going to have to do that analysis and say okay it's worth it or it's not worth right. it and ultimately what, what what is ultimately doing that analysis for us is the market we'll see right well i um, would hope the, so yeah and because if this becomes ubiquitous enough and useful enough um governments are not going to sit back and impede progress um, if, if, if there's a one, if it's revenue based, if, it's a, if there's a revenue, um, component to this also, if it's, if, yeah, if the cost benefit is the market spoken, congratulations, you guys can now, now you guys can come to the party and regulate us now, but now we have, you know, a hundred thousand of these things in orbit and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, so right. <laughs> there's right. that, that, that's really how I see it happening. I see, but I, I think. It'll be a give and take. Um, I, I, you know, there's solutions to this that, or, or at the very least, mitigating factors. I don't believe long term though that they're gonna. The amateur and the radio astronomers and the amateur astronomers, uh, people who look up at the sky professionally, um, and do. I, I don't think they ultimately win. Um, I think ultimately they'll have to compromise and we'll we'll find better ways to do this i mean you know in this episode where i have so touted ai there's there's software solutions there's engineering solutions for this stuff these things are going up well we've we've 
we've overcome in astronomy, we've overcome things like atmospheric aberrations, right? Using artificial stars where we beam a laser light up in the sky. And then the computer, when it receives the image, it compares that to the laser light in the sky and it makes micro adjustments to make the image clearer. So, you know, we've overcome things like natural interference. Yeah. We may be able to overcome things like human-based interference, and we may be able to overcome them better since we know exactly what that interference is and where it comes from. This is true. This is none of these things are not engineering. None of these things are hard problems. They might be hard engineering problems, but ultimately they're not hard problems. And so, I for one want my ubiquitous yeah. internet and my night sky clouded with small microsats giving me the ability to look at the latest <laughs> episode of Picard. All right. I don't know, man. Do we proceed to the fourth topic or do, or do we just call it quits? Cause this one might, this one might make me a little ranty and I might yell and scream and we might hate. Let's, let's save, let's save this yeah, one for the next one. I'm with one. you. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the whole idea of, uh, pro-nuclear power and uh, Rolls-Royce's entrance into the field. I think that's a topic for Yeah, uh, I think we can week. expand upon that further, too, based on the fact that, like, I did read a very pretty nuanced article in one of the science publications about the technologies for carbon emission sequestration, capture, and processing, and, the, and really the things we can do to basically curb one's carbon you know, the carbon footprint that man will inevitably uh, inflict on the planet uh you know full disclosure i don't think shit's that freaking you know dangerous but i mean that's just me i'm a terrible terrible climate change denier but i'm more than willing to accept the fact that yeah maybe we might have something to do with it and that eh, maybe we can engineer a way to maybe mitigate that and there are actually pretty good technologies and pretty good mitigating factors that one can deploy. And I, and that's one of them. Um, and I, I, I find it very fascinating, particularly the uh, CO2 scrubbers that they're, they're deploying all over the place and that, you know, a lot of energy companies are invested in it, it, the science behind it is fascinating. Um, you know, you're always going to get people who want pe you to just reduce, but I mean, I don't mind reducing, but I mean, to me, climate change is a engineering problem of efficiency. Like, why? Well, if we, yeah, yeah, we're producing all this carbon. Okay, well, then that tells me that there that there's an inefficiency there. We can engineer a way to make things more efficient. It's an efficiency. Environmentalism, in my opinion, is nothing more than an efficiency problem. It's the problem of being more efficient with the resources that we're giving. Right? Um yeah, Over, overall, overall I, in right? my opinion, I mean, overall, including the 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 manufacturing costs. Yes. You know, the, let's talk. You know, Great, yeah, the grave of any, and, and that's product. that's the same thing with these plant based yeah. things, these lab grown meats and stuff like that. It's like, okay, well, if we do lab grown meats or plant based things or whatever stuff, but I mean, we still as a as a world uh, waste hundreds of billions of dollars a year in food. So, you know, yeah. well, and a lot of that, a lot of that too is regulation based. Oh yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, we, I was, I was at an amusement park and I ordered 
uh, a cheese. It was French fries with cheese on top, right? And they handed me French fries with some garlic thing on top. I'm like, wait a minute. I ordered cheese. I didn't get... They said, oh, well, go ahead and keep that one because legally we can't take it back and we'll go ahead and give you your cheese. So now I've got these two French fries and I can't eat yeah, them. Yeah, no, right? that's, fries so are a lot, man. Of it fries goes are in filling. The trash. Yeah, yeah, they go in the trash. And even if it's non-perishable things or like um, I think there was a – they had to repeal a law. They had to put a stipulation into some federal law. About uh, so that would allow people to like take things that were either expired or going to expire, or the ability to hand out like excess food to the homeless or something, because of because of because of the litigious the litigious nature of the world, like you had to give people some sort of immunity if they like handed like, let's say I'm a big you know company and we had this big blowout and stuff and I have all this food left and I just like I want to take some of the more non-perishable things or the more survivable things to like a food bank. You could not do that for a long time. Um, right. And, and I think food, if tackling food waste, I mean, not to sound like a hippie, man, but that's, that would do more. Um, building more, you know, these, of these more nuclear powered stations, more, you know, much more efficient solar. I mean, I'm not against these things. I just don't think then that, that I should, cr- I'm just not a big believer in curbing man's ambition to grow and prosper and live comfortably um, for the sake of something, you know, that seems almost religious in its conviction. Like you will have absolution if you sacrifice now. You will have absolution in a future life if you sacrifice now. Right. And that's what I get that feeling from. Um, And that when it takes that evangelical turn, you know, kind of like tech and what we discuss here from time to time when we look at big tech. And it's like, it's not that I hate Google or Facebook. It's not that I even hate their arbitrary enforcement of rules and stuff. It's just that the reasoning, the reasoning for the arbitrary inflicting of those rules is evangelical. It's puritanical. Yeah. It takes on negative connotations yeah. and stuff. And I see the same thing with the climate change thing. I, and I think it's brainwashed an entire generation of people to think minimal. Um, we, will, we can grow this world and this economy and, and still, you know, be good stewards of the environment. But we don't have to suffer today. And I am. Um, right. Yeah, that's. But see, I, I, you, see, 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 well, you, we'll, yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, 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 yeah. Stop you, it. You, you were supposed to, you were supposed Don't to stop me. For me. This. <laughs> All right, man. Don't throw this one on me, man. <laughs> All right. Well, with that said, man. So yeah, man, for a deeper dive later in the future for that, I'm done. If you're done. And All right. I'm done. Thank you, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, for logging on to thank you for your servers. See you later. All right. Bye-bye.